Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Um, as I was reflecting on it, I'm like, you know, Mother's Day, it's not a Christian holiday per se. It's kind of a Hallmark holiday. But scripture teaches us to honor our fathers and mothers. And so make sure you honor the women, the mothers in your life today. If um, your mother is no longer here, take some time to remember her in a special way. I know for um, my father-in-law, we used to, he died about three years ago, and we, in the beginning we would go to his grave, and um, after a while it was like, this is kind of depressing. And we thought, we don't think Dad would want us to remember him that way. And so then we started going out for ice cream because he loved ice cream. And so that's what we do now instead to remember Grandpa. And um, But take time to remember the mother in your life or even if, you know, your biological mom wasn't much of a mom. Honor those women that God has given you, all right? Okay, so we are going to turn our time now and focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Because he's the reason we gather. And this is kind of the second half of a message that started last Sunday on what Jesus talks about rest and Sabbath. And I thought rest might be a good subject for Mother's Day. So, um, anyways, if you will open your Bibles to Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Matthew chapter eleven twenty-eight. Every month for the past year, I have asked you to pray a one-sentence prayer every day for that month. And our prayer for the month of May is, Lord, you guys, some of you remember, help us walk in your rhythm. Yeah, Lord, help us walk in your rhythm. And as we've been studying Matthew, uh, one of the common themes is Sabbath. That we see Jesus practicing Sabbath, talking about Sabbath, and healing people on the Sabbath day. And so, last Sunday we spent a lot more time defining Sabbath and looking at scriptures on Sabbath. But a basic definition, Sabbath is a 24-hour rest once a week. When you cease work and you instead delight with being with God and others. That's, if I had to... Narrow everything scripture says about Sabbath down into one sentence. That would probably be it. A 24-hour rest once a week where you cease work and instead delight with being God, with being with God and others. Um, Last week we read from Genesis 1 that while God created the earth, he practiced a rhythm. He modeled it of working for six days and then resting on the seventh. And he, he made that seventh day holy. And what's interesting is he kind of, he actually hardwired that same rhythm into his creation. Chronobiologists have been studying this. Chronobiologists um, study how biological organisms respond to time. And um, they have found that every living thing on this planet, whether it be a single-celled organism or an insect or a plant, animals and humans, we are all hired hardwired with biological systems that run on a seven-day cycle. And for humans, they found that many of our biological systems on the seven-day cycle, they, they regulate our brain chemistry, mood, cortisol levels, blood pressure, all kinds of things. 
key to these systems functioning properly is that we rest once in seven days. And we talked a lot more about that last Sunday. But in Matthew, we see how Jesus is talking about Sabbath and how he heals people on Sabbath. And I want to read one of those stories with you right now. So Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, this is Jesus speaking. And he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, There's a picture I I got here. I think they're cute. Um, but there's two oxen in a, in a yoke together. And um, just humor me for a minute and close your eyes and picture yourself. You're trying to plow this field all by yourself, okay? Just picture yourself trying to plow this field all by yourself. And Jesus comes along and he says to you, you are working too hard. The way you're doing this, you're going to wear yourself out. So, so come here and, and get in this yoke with me. And just imagine, like, you on one side and Jesus on the other. And he says, now learn from me. Don't worry, I'm, I'm gentle. Even though I have the strength, I'm not going to plow and drag you along. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And if you learn how to work from me and with me, you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus is saying to us in this passage. And then he goes on. Chapter 12. You can open your eyes. Some of you are like, there's no way I'm opening my, closing my eyes. And some of you are like, yes, a nap. You know? All right. Chapter 12. This is the very next thing that happens. He says, at that time... At that very time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples are there with him, going, just kind of walking through these grain fields. And they're hungry. And so they begin to pick some heads of grain and munch on them. And the Pharisees, they were religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees saw this and they said, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You are not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And... Jesus, he jumps to his disciples' defense. And he says in verse 3, Haven't you read when what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Now he's going to reference a story from the Old Testament about Israel's greatest king, David. This is a little bit before he became king. He was being hunted by King Saul, who was jealous of him. And so he and his companions were wandering through the desert and hiding in caves and, and whatnot. And they came to the tabernacle where the priests were. And they're like, we're starving. Can you help us? And the priests were like, the only bread I have is the bread on the altar that's been sacrificed to God. And, and it, that's holy bread. It, people are not supposed to eat that. Only the priests are supposed to eat it. So I'm sorry you're going to starve to death. Is that what you think the priest did? No. 
He said, this is holy bread. But he understood God's law of love trumps religious ceremonies. And so he gave the bread to David and his companions so they would not starve. And this, this is what Jesus is referencing. He says, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are in, innocent? How do priests desecrate the Sabbath? Because they're working. Yeah, they're working. And then, you know, they take their Sabbath later. But, um, yeah, they're working. And he goes, but yet they're innocent. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Then you would not have condemned my innocent disciples. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit, into a well on the Sabbath day, are you not going to get it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, he worked really hard here, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was completely restored. Just as sound as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Jesus, from the story, he's, um, he's saying, look, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I created it. And I didn't create it for rules and regulations. I created it as a gift of mercy for humans so that I can restore them through the Sabbath. He's saying, come to me, who you are weak and heavy laden. He's saying, no, look, my disciples can nourish themselves. David can nourish, you know, you can eat the bread. He, He heals people. He goes, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I created it to restore you guys, not to burden you with these rules and regulations. I grew up, um, I grew up practicing the Sabbath. My dad was a pastor. And so it was Sunday morning and then nap time. And <laughs> that still happens in our house today. <laughs> but um, so I grew up practicing Sabbath. But the, when Eric and I went to plant a church in Mason, Michigan, it just fell by the wayside because things were so hectic and stressful. And I felt all this pressure because we didn't have any other jobs So it's like either this church grows or we starve to death and we can't pay our mortgage. And every week I was very cognizant of, I don't know where the grocery money is coming from this week. I, you know, like I didn't. And so I felt this pressure, like we have to 
reach people for Jesus so they can go to heaven and we can eat. You know, <laughs> like, that's what it was like. And, and so I, I stopped practicing Sabbath. And I, um, I got these horrible migraines. I was just having horrible migraines. Mikkel was two at the time. And um, she went from being this really happy two-year-old to just, like, stressed out, intense all the time. And Eric and I started arguing, which we normally don't do. He's, like, the easiest guy to get along with. Um, but you could see the stress. Like, things were just starting to break and crack. And, and Eric actually confronted me. And he said, why don't you trust God enough to take a day off and to take a Sabbath? And, um, and so I was convicted of my sin because I, I knew about Sabbath. It wasn't like something I didn't know about. I knew. And so we started practicing Sabbath and it was hard. At first, we couldn't take Sabbath. We couldn't figure out how to take Sabbath on the same day. So, like, one day I would Sabbath and he would take care of the kids. And then another day I would, because Mikkel was, like, around two and Titus was a newborn. And um, and then it took years before we figured out how to all have Sabbath on the same day as a family. Um, but I really began to see God's goodness when I started practicing Sabbath. Because within one month, I had been having all kinds of hormonal issues I had been seeing a doctor for. In one month, all those issues were gone. It took four months, but in four months, my migraines disappeared. And and Mikkel became her normal bubbly self, and our marriage got better. And now, like, Sabbath is the favorite day of everyone in our household. But... um. It was interesting because when I was researching and studying for this message and I um, started looking up things on chronobiology again, I found this article in a medical journal um, where they had studied migraine sufferers. And they asked them to chart when their migraines happened to see if they could see if there was any kind of rhythm or pattern to why people had migraines and when. And you know what the pattern that they found was? There's migraines were the only pattern most likely to happen on Sundays. That was it. And I started to think about that and reflect back to when I was a migraine sufferer. And I'm like, okay, I don't know that if it, it was Sundays for me, but I remember it always happened like twice a month. The migraines would last for two days. For two days, I would be in a dark bedroom or in a bathroom vomiting. And I remember like crying out to God and be like, God, I, will you heal me? Because I can't afford to lose four days every month. Like I've got a newborn and a two-year-old and this church. Like I can't, I can't afford this. And here I am not practicing Sabbath because I don't think I can take Sabbath. But I'm losing how many days a month? Four. Yeah. And... And I can just imagine God hearing all those prayers and, and saying, Tamar, I'm not going to heal you so you can keep being a workaholic and abuse your body. And I think that's true for a lot of us. 
God, we want God's gift of healing, but he's not going to heal us just so we can keep being workaholics. And Jesus in this passage, he's demonstrating, look, God made Sabbath. He gave it to us as a rest and he wants to restore us through it. He restored his disciples. He restored David. He restored the man with his shriveled hand. God restores us through Sabbath. Honoring Sabbath, one of the things it does, we talked about this last week. I'm going to summarize. But it reduces our stress. Because it's one day a week where we say, okay, God, you just have it all. The to-do list, everything that needs to be done, everything I'm worried about, it's in your hands. It's my day off. And it's interesting because there's several verses that talk about where God says he commands us to practice Sabbath so that you may know I am God. How do we know that he's God through practicing Sabbath? Well, because we're giving it to him. We're giving him everything. And then when he takes care of it, it's like, oh, you really are God. It's not all on my shoulders. I'm not the one who has to control everything and provide everything. He's God. He's the one who controls it. He's the one who provides. And Sabbath reminds us of that every week. We also come to know God through Sabbath. It says that they will know that I am the Lord their God who makes them holy, who makes them like me. God rests. He has joy and delight and peace. He is not a frantic workaholic anxiety-ridden person. And if we live that way, we're not going to have his character. When we rest on Sabbath with him and with others, we sense his character and he builds that character, that fruit of the Spirit in us, that love and joy and peace and patience that he has. Rick Warren, he's, um, he's a famous pastor from California, Saddleback Church. Some of you may have heard of me before. He tells a story that one day a woman in his church got kind of miffed because he didn't respond to her email right away. And he said, well, it was my Sabbath day. It was my day off. And she says, you know, Pastor Rick, the devil doesn't take a day off. <laughs> and he said, that's true. And if I didn't take a day off, I'd be like the devil. (laughs) There is something true to that, my friends. God rested on the seventh day. And if we want to be like him, that's what we do. All right. So how do we accept this wonderful gift? How do we accept this gift? I promise practical application this week. All right. So let's read the actual command. This is from the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. The word Sabbath just means rest. The seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, 
That sounds kind of showy. (laughs) But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. You'll notice the command. It commands us that we work six days and then we rest. We cease from our work. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to find that 24 block of time, 24 hour block of time where we rest. And some of you are thinking that is not possible for me with my job. So let's, let's talk about that. Some of you have employers that give you work schedules that are random, scattered. You never know when you're working. You're not, or you know that they require you to be there every Sunday or, or whatnot. Part of Sabbath taking is a day, is taking a step of faith. It's taking a step of faith. Um, and believing that God is powerful enough to give that rest to you. Um, so the first thing you need to do is pray for favor and speak to your boss. And there are all kinds of stories about this in the scripture. About people who wanted to follow God's direction and going to a very pagan boss. There is Daniel, who went to King Nebuchadnezzar. There is Nehemiah, who went to King Artaxerxes. Esther, to King Xerxes. These were not nice people. They're bosses. (laughs) And, And all of them, they prayed and they said, God, give me favor. And then they went to their very pagan king boss who had were known for killing people and they asked for what they felt god had commanded them to ask for and he provided a miracle and gave them favor there's one story where that didn't happen you know what story that was moses if you read the story of moses when he goes to king pharaoh The first thing he asked King Pharaoh for is not to set the Israelites free from slavery. The first thing he asked King Pharaoh for is let my people go and have a day where they can worship their Lord, their God. That's what he actually asked Pharaoh for first. And Pharaoh says no. And what did God do? He fought for them. He fought for them. And so part of this is is knowing that God wants to give this to you and he will fight for you. But you have to take that step of faith. Pray for favor. Speak to your boss. Try to find 24 hours. If it's not Sundays, maybe it can be like Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. So you can have Saturday afternoon to be with your family and Sunday to be um, with your church family. Maybe if they're like, oh, you got to work every other Sunday. Okay, well, then I need the closest day off to Sunday. Maybe one week it's Sunday and the next week it's every Monday. So you can have somewhat of a rhythm. But pray and ask. And, it, and if God does not come through with a favor on your boss, he will come through with judgment on your boss. 
That's the pattern of scripture. And he's going to provide a way out. And then you start looking for other jobs. Don't quit your job yet. Okay. But you can start. Remember, he commands us to practice Sabbath so we'll know he is God. So give God the opportunity to do a miracle on your behalf. If you are too frightened for a full day of rest, if that's just like too big of a faith step for you right now, take a faith step and measure with the faith that you have. There is this beautiful little story in Mark uh, chapter 9 where there's a father who brings his sick son to Jesus and, and asks Jesus to heal him. And Jesus says, do you have faith? Do you believe? And he's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, like God... I, I, I think, I, I believe, like, I want to fully believe that Jesus, you can do this miracle. That you can heal my son. I, I've never seen that happen before, so help my unbelief. And some of you guys need to pray that way for Sabbath. Like, like, God, this sounds like a good promise. It kind of sounds too good to be true, though. So I want to believe, help my unbelief. And take a step of faith and measure with the faith. Take, yeah, Take a step and measure with the faith that you have. Does that, am I making sense? All right. Once you find that block of time to be your Sabbath, what do you do with it or not do with it? That's part of the difficulty. Um, it says we are to work six days and rest in one. But you'll notice that this passage, it never defines what work and rest is. And that's true for all of Scripture. You're not going to find any definition for what qualifies for work and what qualifies for rest. Now, there's other scriptures on Sabbath that talk about it being a sacred assembly to come and worship God and bringing your tithes and offerings and things like that. But it never really defines what work and rest are, which means you have freedom in Christ to define work and rest according to how God has uniquely created you. You see, legalism, that's what the Pharisees were all about. They were like, well, how do we know if we're working or how do we know if we're resting? And and so they created all these rules defining work, including how many steps people could take on the Sabbath day. It was just crazy. And that's why Jesus is like, look, it's not about those rules and regulations. It's about giving you rest. (laughs) So you have freedom. Some things that have helped me. Um, there is one passage that says, do no ordinary work. And I think I take that to mean, okay, the work that I do all week long is not the work I'm supposed to do on my Sabbath day. So if you're a landscaper, you shouldn't be weeding your garden on your Sabbath, okay? But if you work in a cubicle, in front of a screen all week long, and it is a beautiful day on your Sabbath, go have fun in your garden if that is life-giving to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's hobbies. Eric loves to mow. Like to sit on the rider mower and just mow. Like that's relaxing to him. So, <laughs> you know, um, if, if you are a cook, maybe don't cook on your Sabbath. 
But if you never really get to bake and you love baking and, you know, bake some cookies or something, have fun with baking on your Sabbath. You have freedom, okay? One of the things that I use to help me is I think, um, do I feel this pressure that I have to get this done? And if I feel pressure that I have to get it done, then it's work. So if it's my Sabbath day and I'm sitting on the couch reading a book and I see it's a sunny day, I'm like, oh, it looks nice. I think I'm going to go out and, and do some weeding in my flower beds, flower beds. There's not many flowers, but um, I'll go and do it. But if I'm sitting on that couch and I'm reading my book on my Sabbath and I look out there and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's going to rain and I have no time the next week. I better get out there and do the weeding now. Then it's work. You follow me? Okay. Do you feel an inward compulsion? If you do, it is probably work for you. Uh, Another thing. It says we're supposed to rest. And it says that a lot. Again, the word Sabbath means rest. And so a lot of the scriptures will actually, when you read it in your Bible, it will say, it is a Sabbath rest to the Lord, a holy Sabbath. That's saying, it. if you read that in the Hebrew, it would say, it is a rest, rest to the Lord, a holy rest to the Lord. Like he emphasizes it's a rest. And rests are a slower pace. You cannot be in a hurry and rest. And so sometimes deciding what is work and what isn't just has to do with how busy it will make my day. Like, I can go to a graduation party on my Sabbath. I probably can't try to cram four of them in. Especially since I'm an introvert. So, um, you know, but what is your pace? It should be a non-hurried, restful pace on your Sabbath day. Um, let me see. When, when Eric and I, we started practicing Sabbath together, one of the questions was like, so if we don't work... And it's not just like not doing vocational work and then doing all your homework. It's it's not doing work. We're like, what do we do? Do we just like watch TV all day? Or, you know, resting and blobbing is not the same thing. All right, blobbing just wastes time. Like you binge watch Netflix or, or you're just on your you're scrolling social media. And you're blobbing because you're too tired to do anything else. By the time you get done, you're still tired. So stop blobbing and go take a nap. Naps are a holy activity on Sabbath. Um, other and in, in the Jewish tradition, worshiping God, that sacred assembly, holy activity on Sabbath, eating good food. They prepare theirs the day in advance, but eating good food, taking walk, playing games with family, spending time with friends. Jewish rabbis like to write a lot about spending time alone with your spouse on Sabbath and how that's holy and pleasing to the Lord. So date your spouse. Like all of those kinds of things are what we're supposed to be doing on our Sabbath day. It's a day to delight in being with God and being with one another. Um, and it 
it might take you a little while to figure out what that is, and that's okay. You gotta, gotta experiment with Sabbath. But it's to be almost like a little one day vacation every week. Um, now, understand, you can't just add a Sabbath rest into an already packed schedule. You're gonna have to sacrifice some things. Look at what Leviticus says. Leviticus 16.31 It is a day of rest, rest. You must deny yourselves. You must deny yourselves. And it is a lasting ordinance. It started at creation. It wasn't just for Jews. It's a lasting ordinance. I remember um, probably about 20 years ago or so, I was in Honduras. And um, Hannah was this 16-year-old who was my interpreter, and she had been a foreign exchange student to the U.S. And so she was talking to me about her experiences in the U.S. and um, the family she stayed with and all these kinds of things. And she's like, students in the U.S., they, they have like so many activities that they do after school. Like there's, there's band and football and there's clubs like choir and drama and, and, you know, there's just all these things they have. And I'm like, yeah. You know, in, in the United States, we have a lot of good opportunities. And she's like, good? Whatever happened to being home with your family? Like, they don't even eat dinner together. And, and she just could not under, comprehend why anyone would want to live that way. And I didn't know how to respond. Like, in a flash, I went from being kind of proud of the U.S., my na- like, oh, yeah, we have lots of great opportunities, to being like, oh, I just got schooled by a 16-year-old who, who lives in, you know, a village without running water. <laughs> yeah, like, kids need Sabbath, too. So some of these things is we're going to have to sacrifice good activities. Um, the activities aren't wrong in of themselves. It's just a sheer volume of them that make them unhealthy. Child psychologists, pediatricians have been writing about this for at least a decade, if not more. About how overscheduling children is harming them it's causing them to be full of anxiety and depression and by the time they get to college they're like they're breaking under the pressure so honoring the sabbath means that we're going to have to sacrifice some things and this leads me to my next point that the sabbath is actually a powerful discernment tool it's a discernment tool god gives you because there is no end to the good things you can say yes to. Right? But when you're committed to receiving God's gift of Sabbath, it gives you a framework for saying, okay, I can say yes to these things, and I I have to say no to these things. So, like, as a family, all right, we can do so many sports, but how many things can we do and, and still have a Sabbath day together? It gives you a framework for discerning what God is calling you to say yes to and what he's not calling you to say yes to. Does that make sense? 
All right, here's, here's the last point, last one. To practice Sabbath and receive God's gift of Sabbath, you have to do some preparation the day before. When the Israelites, um, when God first told the Israelites and commanded them to practice Sabbath, the story is actually the story where he rains down manna from heaven. It's a story about how God miraculously provides. And he says, six days you gather, and the seventh day you don't. But on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much manna, because it wasn't coming on the seventh day. And as long as they did that, it worked wonderfully. But if they got nervous and thought, well, what if he doesn't send manna on Tuesday? You know, and they gathered extra on Monday, then the extra manna they gathered, it got infested with maggots. Their overwork amounted to nothing. So, with Sabbath, you figure out your pace for the week. The day before, you're going to have to do that little extra prep, that little extra gathering, okay? So, when my kids were little, for me, that meant having the dishes done. I don't know why, but I couldn't relax if, like, the dishes became this big mound on my counter. It doesn't really bother me that much anymore. (laughs) Now... Now the prep work I have to do is I have to get all my emails and text messages answered so I can put my phone away. That's what I got to get done. It's going to be different for different people, but what is that little bit of work you have to get done the day before so that on your Sabbath you can actually relax? Okay? Um... But I just want to encourage you to take this journey of, of practicing Sabbath, of learning the rhythm of life God has for you, because it's a good rhythm that he blesses you through. And you're not going to nail it right away. Uh, I think I had a bulletin up here somewhere. There we go. Okay. So on the back of the bulletin, there's a section that says resources. And I change these at least once a month. But there's a free podcast list there that break down Sabbath and how people practice Sabbath today. Um, Like there's a whole episode on how the heck to have Sabbath when you have little kids. Um, There's an episode on how do you do Sabbath if you're a caregiver, you know, for like an aging parent or something. There's all kinds of practical stuff on how, you know, for people whose jobs, the employers don't allow it, how did they walk and begin that journey? So there's more information for you there. But I want to encourage you. Give God the opportunity to give you this miracle. Give him the opportunity to give you this miracle. He is a good God. He does not ask the impossible of you. He wants to give you rest He wants you to remain in him so your joy will be complete. So take this step of faith. The prayer for our month is a a prayer that I prayed when I was on this journey. Of God, show me, help me walk in your rhythm. Let's pray it now, okay?
Lord, so many thoughts come to me right now. And, and one is just to thank you for your rhythm. There were so many rhythms you could have commanded us to take. And you gave us a rhythm of six days being creative and doing productive things, good things. And having one day a week just to rest and delight and be with you, be with each other. And I thank you for that because it shows your goodness. And God, I pray that you will increase our faith because we live in a broken and fallen world that has rejected that rhythm. And so I pray you give us faith that you will help us reclaim it, that that's part of your plan to restore this world. It's part of your plan to restore us. Lord, help us walk in your rhythm. For some of us, that's just a few tweaks we need to make being more intentional for some of us that's going to be a huge step of faith that's going to be a miracle a new job some kind of more radical life change help us lord provide as you promised to renew us Give us discernment to know what things to say yes to and what are the good things we need to say no to. Give us insight into what restores us and what burdens us. Because so often we get those things confused. And God, help us be people that instead of spreading the world's sickness, of being frazzled and too busy to notice and deeply love one another. God, let us be people who bring rest and peace and joy to this world. Let us be people who bring that to our families, who help bring that to our employees, our co-workers, God. Jesus.